Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plus, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansighted and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast, where you can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. Joining me as always is good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender. He is a host of the Packers Trilogy podcast, so make sure you check out the work he is doing, including a recent solo podcast on the Packers, um, by following that on your platform, listening platform for podcasts. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And as you know, we are here to talk about the Brewers today. But before we get to that, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well. It's it's good to be back. Uh, I feel, what is it? two in a row that you had to do by yourself so don't feel so bad that i did a packers one by myself um you know i'm doing pretty good tyler and i just got done playing in our bar league volleyball tournament and i think we did pretty well i think we got to the third place game we lost that but we we did pretty well played extremely well in our first game was definitely supposed to lose that and we won that so that was that was fun, exciting, and other than that, I'm a little tired because I'm not used to playing two games, a little sore, but doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm a little sore. My back's getting roughed up here from carrying this Brewers podcast without you. <laughs> well, I carried us in volleyball tonight, so. Well, you, you did have a good night, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, and that I will. Was, oops, go was ahead. my best night in volleyball ever. Like, literally in that first game that we played, Anything that I hit was going in, and it was going to be a good hit, too. I, I never played that well in my life. <laughs> well, we need you now for Fall League, so hopefully you didn't waste it all. <laughs> but we, yeah. speaking of putting teams on your back, Trevor just redid the intro for the Packers Trilogy podcast, which means I now have the pressure of redoing the intro for the Brewers Trilogy podcast. So stay tuned for that. We will have an update <laughs> coming, hopefully before the season's done. <laughs> well, like Tyler said, I did do a solo pod for the Packers. I actually did it today as I had off of work. So on my off day, I did put that together. But I did that after I recorded the podcast and like posted it. It's going to come out about the same time this one does. So like Tyler said, keep an eye out for that. But that one still has the old intro on it. And I was, if I'm being honest, Tyler, I was planning on making all of them. So they all are fairly similar, but I feel like we need a little bit of a change and I'm ready and excited and I like the one I created for the Packers. So I don't worry, I got you. All right, perfect. I think you enjoy doing those kinds of things anyway, so I'll let you run with it. <laughs> yeah, you're right, I do. <laughs> all right, let's get into the Pirate Series recap here. Man, what a difference 
a week makes, really. The Brewers have a good week taking... There was two and two versus the Reds, and then they take three out of four here versus the Pirates. So, real rapid-fire style here. Game one was Friday night, and that was the 9-1 to Brewers win. That was the game in which Jed Jerko mashed two home runs, and then Ryan Braun blew the game wide open with a three-run homer. The Brewers, at one point, had scored all seven of their first runs off two out hits, so that was pretty incredible. And then on the mound, Corbin Burns was dominant, shut the Pirates down through six innings, striking out ten. Game two, a little bit more dramatic. That was the 7-6 to six win. Brett Anderson was on the mound for the Brewers, and his stuff was not the best by any means. He was getting hit around quite a bit. And the score was 4-2 to two going into the seventh inning, and that was in the Pirates' favor. But thankfully, the Brewers would muster together some runs. There was an Orlando Garcia solo homer. There was an Avi Garcia two RBI double, and the score was 5-4 to four entering the ninth inning. And you think the Brewers have it? And then Hayter just absolutely fell apart in that ninth inning and ultimately had to be end up being saved by teammate Devin Williams. So Josh Hader walks in, what, five? He had five walks. So he walked in the tying run and then the go-ahead run. But, however, Eric Sogard put the team on his back with his first ever walk-off homer, I believe, don't quote me on that. I know it was the first homer of the, or walk-off homer of the year for the Brewers with that two-run shot in the bottom of the ninth. Game three was on Sunday. Totally thought it was the finale, and Trevor's making fun of me for it, but that was the 5-1 to one loss. Brandon Woodruff on the mound gave up three earned runs via the home run. So one was a solo shot to Polanco. The other one was a two-run homer from Josh Bell. Ends up getting tagged with four four earned runs overall. Alex Claudio would give up the other earned run. Offensively, the Brewers left a lot on the table. They were one for nine with runners in scoring position, left 13 runners on base, and failed to record an extra base hit. And lastly, Monday night's game, the series finale, weird, but it was a bullpen day for the Brewers. Brett Suter made the start. The only mistake he really made was to Eric Eric Gonzalez, who launched a two-run homer off of him. Offensively, the Brewers scored runs, and Kevin Newman really helped the Brewers out from his standpoint. He had two different throwing errors in different innings, and the Brewers were able to tack on additional runs as a result of it. Freddie Peralta would end up giving up the tying runs as the Brewers were ahead in the sixth inning to make it 5-5, to and then Orlando Garcia delivers the eventual game-winning RBI single, two outs in the eighth inning, and Josh Hader close the door so what are your thoughts on this series trevor <laughs> yeah you were you reminded me of that you thought it was a three game series and actually my girlfriend thought the same thing she's like wait why aren't you recording what what are you doing why aren't you recording <laughs> and i said well tyler made the same mistake so and actually when you said are you recording tonight on sunday night that really threw me off because i was like wait isn't this a four game series and when you said that i was like oh crap Maybe it is only a three-game series, but I was right. I should have trusted myself. Um, anyways, this series, I told you that I, before we start recording, I told you that I only watched like an inning of baseball this series because I, I was pretty busy this past weekend. Um, but actually, now that I think about it, I do think I watched quite a bit of the first game and kind of till it kind of got blown open. Um, I think I watched the majority of Corbin Burns' start. So I watched the majority of that game. He was really, really good in that one. 
it was exciting to see him pitch that well. It was it was great to see. Obviously, with Hader's outing in Game Two, that was a little bit concerning. And Rock mentioned it on the broadcast tonight when Hader was out there. Is he going to be able to come back and pitch well? And right when he threw that first slider to strike out uh, Tucker, I think, was the first batter of the ninth inning there, struck him out on the slider. It was middle-middle, but you know he was expecting the fastball, drops the slider in on him, uh, strikes him out. Second slider of the inning, throws a beautiful slider to strike out um, the next guy. And then lastly, he throws two sliders in the last at-bat, the first one was just gorgeous, and then the second one struck him out as well. So three of his four sliders struck out the batter. So, again, continue to throw those sliders, Josh, because they work. He's so like he's so effective in it. I just feel like he needs to continue to throw a lot of them. And when he was missing tonight, it was fastballs. And from the sounds of it, again, I wasn't able to watch that game too, but from the sounds of it, a lot of it was fastballs and missing high and away so throw in some more sliders I feel he's been very accurate with them this year like I said it was all four of his sliders were strikes and three of the four were striking the batter out so I just feel like that needs to continue to be a thing uh, for him other than that Woody is struggling a bit I think I mean obviously in this game uh, gives up three runs all via, via the home run ball and he really hasn't had a dominant outing now for, what, probably five starts now? It He seems to be in a little bit of a lull. Hopefully he can jump out of it after this Pirate series. Yeah, maybe it's the off-the-field stuff, the stress of delivering your first child here pretty soon. Um, so I guess we'll see there with Brandon Woodruff. He did allow four earned runs in his start here this time, not three. Three of the runs are just via the home run, which he had been oh, okay. really good up until this last start at limiting that home run ball. It, you know, it, it seems with like Brandon Woodruff, his starts where he labored was he would just get in trouble with his pitch count getting so high. Like guys were following off tough pitches. And, you know, we, we've seen so far in Brandon Woodruff starts that he just kind of goes out with a different mentality or a different game plan each start. Like in his last start here against the Pirates, like I'm pretty sure he threw 70 to 80% fastballs. Earlier on in the year, he was throwing that changeup so much, and then there was like maybe his third start of the year, he like barely threw it at all. So I think he maybe, you know, maybe he's overthinking. Maybe he should just be trusting in his stuff. Maybe it's just you should go with a good mix of pitches, um, you know, whether that's, you know, closer to 60% fastball mix in the off speed as you see fit, rather than it kind of seems like he'll neglect a pitch one start or he'll go really heavy with that fastball like he did in his last start. Um, so I don't know. I think he should just stop thinking about it. Just go out there and pitch. He's got such great stuff. Um, he, he's got ace material, but like you said, I kind of agree that's he hasn't really shown that his last few starts here. Other things that kind of were interesting this series was he got to see Luis Urias in the leadoff spot. So we talked about it shortly after he made his debut. You know, should he go up to the leadoff? Should he stay down in the nine hole? And he got it pretty much, I think, at least three of the games this series might have even been all four. But the results were pretty mixed. I mean, overall, he was three of 18 on the series, had one double, one RBI. 
and then 10 strikeouts. So did not put the bat on the ball very well. But what are your thoughts on this first look at an extended role of Urias in the leadoff spot? You know, it was something that I was excited about, and I was happy to see it. Maybe it's a little early for him yet. Maybe this is just, you know, baseball players go through slumps all the time, even the great ones. We, I mean, how big of a slump was Christian Yelich to start the year? So I think one series of him at leadoff isn't enough to tell us if he's not capable. Um, I don't think that's fair, especially for baseball. These things take time. That's why in a normal year, there's 162 games to kind of have those ebbs and flows of, you know, you're going to be on for a week. You're going to be off for a week. You're going to be on for four. You're going to be off for three. Like that's just baseball. And you can't expect guys to hit 400 all the time because that's just, not realistic. So, yeah, those those stats are a little bit frustrating. Um, and the biggest one for me is those 10 strikeouts. Like, you can deal with a guy going 3 for 11 in the leadoff spot, or 3 for 18, sorry. Occasionally, you know, that's going to happen. Like I said, series to series, he could go out and go 8 for 18 next time with three doubles. Like, you never really know. Um, but the 10 strikeouts is concerning. He's got, in that leadoff spot, you've got to be able to get the bat on the ball and get on base that's your main job and the 10 strikeouts is the most concerning part for me but that really doesn't that really is kind of the what the brewers issue is offensively is they strike out a ton this year and that's been an issue up and down the lineup and it's not just urias but this series was pretty egregious in the amount of times he struck out he was definitely number one in that category this series and that's not something you want to be especially as a leadoff hitter yeah i agree and you know when he was at the bottom of the order was it kind of he was hidden down there and got less chances that's why the strikeout numbers weren't as high and now that he was getting more at bats per game is it inflated i i don't think it's going to be this bad every time i think he should get another chance at the leadoff spot. I mean, he does some unique things. He laid down a bunt for a base hit this series. I mean, when's the last time a Brewers batter bunted <laughs> besides Urias this series? You have to probably go way back. And like I, like we've talked about, he's got good contact skills. The series might have just been a fluke. He's got pretty decent speed. He was to get thrown out this series against the Pirates. But he can do things for you, and it's not going to be as bad as it was this series in terms of the strikeout percentage. So I, I vote we just give him another shot here and see what the kid can do. We got a lot to talk about, so let's switch over into our series MVP. And series dud. Who do you got first here? You know, you know, I like to start MVP, and I think you know where I'm going with this. And maybe I've been doing this too much, or maybe we as a podcast have been giving him this award too much, but I got to go Corbin Burns. He's gotten the award three times on two separate weeks. So against the Reds, which was the fourth series of the year, we both gave him the series MVP. And then against the Twins, you gave him series MVP. Um, and I, I just think he deserves it. You know, he continues to pitch well. Really, for me, he's been pretty impressive since he got back in that starter's role um, against Minnesota. The team lost 
three to four, but he had five innings pitch, gave up two hits and one earned run. Uh, did have three walks in that outing. The next outing, uh, get, it was against Pittsburgh, but in the previous series, again the team lost four to five. But Burns, you know, gave five and a third, give up five hits. He did give up three runs in that one. Um, but then in this one, six innings, three hits, ten strikeouts, only one walk. You know, he's really coming into his own, and he had a very, very good outing. Um, that season ERA is at 2.78. So he's really, really pitching well, and it seems to be pretty consistent here in his last three starts of, you know, solid performances. If you get five to six innings out of your pitchers and they're not giving up huge crooked numbers like four, five, six, seven runs, you're going to deal with that. Even the one that you give up three, that's not a terrible outing in today's baseball. So he has really been coming on and continued to pitch extremely, extremely well in this series. And that is why I'm going to put him as my series MVP. Gotcha. I'm going to go more with the offensive side for this. I'm going to go with Jed Jerko. I've been waiting for him to get more opportunities, and he finally did this series, going 5 of 12, two homers, both which were no doubters, and he had those in the same game. Both of them were solo shots, drew one walk, and then he also collected three more hits that weren't homers, and some of them were against righties. So for a guy who has a versatility to play third or first, I, he's got a carve a rollout, like I've been saying, and he really showed it this series that he can. Honorable mentions for me, I'm going to go with Ben Gamble. He was 4-8 this series, did draw four walks, had a double and one RBI. At one point, he got on base eight times in a row without getting out. So definitely starting to heat up there. And then lastly, just for his production and clutchness, I'll give Eric Sogard an honorable mention. Two of seven this series. His only two hits did produce runs. Of course, one was that walk-off homer. The other one was an RBI single in this Monday night's game. So finishes the series one homer, three RBIs. Not a ton of opportunities, but certainly made the most out of him for a guy who has been struggling a lot lately. I would agree with your honorable mentions there. Ben Gamble was the other guy I was thinking of. Getting to the plate 12 times and he's on base eight times, we need a little bit more of that. You don't have to hit the ball out of the ballpark every time you get up to bat. Like, just get on base. And that on base percentage is not, again, it's not going to happen every series. We know this, it's baseball. But having series like that where you just play well, and it doesn't have to be everybody, but between him and Jerko, they played extremely well and helped beat a team that we should beat. So that is very good to see out of those players. In terms of my dud, I don't want to do this because outside of Corbin Burns, he's probably my favorite player on the team. But I'm going to do it because we need him to step up, and that's Brandon Woodruff. Coming into this year, even last year, he's our ace. He is our guy. He might not be you know, a bona fide ace in terms of major league level aces. He might not be quite there yet. But for the Brewers, he's an ace. He is a damn good pitcher. And like I said before, recently, he hasn't been pitching well. Um, and that's something that he needs to improve. I'm sure he would tell you that. And Yes, he does have a lot of stuff going on outside of here, but we still need to see him produce on the field. And this series um, definitely was not one of them. 
you know, four earned runs, and you give, granted, only on four hits, but three walks in five innings, that's that's definitely not ideal. And from our number one starter, we need to see a little bit more out of him. Yeah, that, I get your reasoning for series dud, for sure. So I'm going to pull a Trevor here with my series dud. I'm going to do Coe's, and I'm going to give it to both Justin Smoke and Avi Garcia. So both guys saw limited chances this Pirate series over four games. Very small sample size in terms of at-bats. Playing time was decreased substantially. And, you know, guys who we'd expected them to do fairly decent this year just have not quite been living up to those expectations. And then the guys who came in, I thought they did a pretty good job. Mark Mathias. He had a pretty decent series, not outstanding. He obviously didn't make our honorable mentions list, but three of eight with a double and two RBIs. Heck, even uh, Jace Peterson, he didn't get a hit, but he drew four walks this series. I mean, so when you have these guys like Garcia and Smoke who just aren't, you know, aren't living up to expectations, and all of a sudden you put these this, this fresh blood in there and they all of a sudden get on base and start producing. I like that, and I hope it puts more pressure on Garcia and Smoke, which is kind of why I'm going them with my series dud to hopefully kick them into extra gear here. Yeah, and you mentioned those guys coming up, and I just, we didn't mention him in the series MVP talk, but they mentioned it on the pot or on the broadcast tonight, uh, like right before he got that RBI single to take the lead in the bottom of the eighth, Orlando Arcia looks, he might not have stellar numbers. He's like 250 ish batter right now, but really that's all we need from him. But the fact that I'm pretty sure he was coming into the game as a pinch hitter in that situation. I am fairly certain of that, but that's awesome stuff that he comes in and Craig Council can trust him to come in in that situation and lays off his arch nemesis of that slider away barely, but he did hold up there. And then I believe it was the next pitch. He knocks it into left field and gets an RBI. And yes, he was pinch hit for last year. That would have never been thought of. And any, and if council would have done that, Oh boy, I would have loved to see Twitter at that time um, last year. But right now he's a 262 hitter. Had a big clutch hit in this game. Like I said, he he is really coming around. Not great stats this series, but really, really pretty impressive stuff from Orlando Arcia this entire season. He's probably been our most consistent hitter. Ooh, yeah, most consistent. It's a loaded question with this <laughs> Brewers offense. You did make me think of this as we're going to transition to the trade deadline here. We talked a lot about the the Orlando Arcia this offseason about him being trade bait, right? Like he's got a pretty good glove. We always thought the offense would come around. And now the Brewers have – he hasn't been used as the everyday shortstop this year. So his chances, like you said, have come – Far and few in between. They've come of pinch hitters. He kind of goes in streaks here. So what are your thoughts on the Brewers keeping him through this trade deadline? I mean, if you were to ask me August 31st of 2019, I would have been fairly upset, <laughs> especially after getting Urias. I would have thought that that would not have been a smart move, but I think this year he's continued to play well 
defensively and then we've seen that bat kind of come around like I said it's it's not like he's a 300 hitter I don't think we should expect that from him but he's making those small strides he's he was able to hold up on that pitch and last year that would have been a strikeout there and who knows they might still be playing baseball right now so it's just that progress you can see it there and I don't think he might not be the answer long term at shortstop but I don't necessarily think that trading him away would have been the best for this 2020 Brewers team because honestly, right now, my thoughts like going into the trade deadline with how the Brewers were playing, I was like, unless you get a crazy offer for something like, you know, Josh Hader was mentioned, those types of things. If you get a crazy offer, then maybe, but why sell off on these types of players why not just let them run through because you're not that far off. You don't want to go out and give away prospects that you really don't have or anything like that to try to make the postseason. But why not just stand pat, see if your guys can come out of it because Christian Yelich is still struggling. Keston Hero is still struggling. Like there's guys on this team that are struggling. Brandon Woodruff, I mentioned earlier, like if these guys reach their potential for this year, you could make some noise in the postseason and make a deep playoff run if these guys come and get back to what they could be. But in a season that it just doesn't look like they're able, they're going to be able to turn the corner or maybe they just won't be able to turn the corner quick enough. Why go out and sell off your prospects to try to get a, a guy that's going to come in and help you or get rid of a important piece that could help you in the future. Unless it's again, unless you're getting a crazy offer, which it's, impossible not to pull the trigger like the Padres the Padres were the team that were looking into Hader right they were one of them yep yeah so if the Padres call and give you Tatis or whatever his name is then okay let's talk about it but outside of that like I don't I don't think there's a lot it would have had to been a very very incredible offer for David Stearns to say okay I'm sure he took calls I'm sure he listened but it would have had to been a pretty incredible offer for Hader I think yeah, we, we'd probably have to throw in more with Hater to get Tatis Jr. The guy's a freaking animal. <laughs> the guy's unreal. But, but the Padres did make a lot of moves this trade deadline. They were ridiculous. Okay, yes. But at this point, he is still a prospect. He has not been in the MLB long enough to prove that he is a bona fide star in this league. Josh Hader is a bona fide. He's been National League reliever two years in a row. Tatis, this is his first year in the MLB, isn't it? Or he had a very little stint last year. Like, I, to me, he has not played enough MLB baseball for us to crown him the next face of the sport. So, like, I kind of get that young player, lots and lots and lots of potential. But Josh Hader's a proven commodity and still pretty young. Um, so that, to me, like, seems a little bit crazy to have to throw a lot with Josh Hader for that. That seems... I don't know. I would not have liked that at all then. If that was the trade that we had to give up more, hell no. I don't know. Tatis last year played about half the year, hit 22 homers, hit over 300. The series over 300, 13 homers, 31 RBIs. Uh, I think it's safe to say. Maybe I just (laughs) haven't paid attention to baseball outside of Milwaukee. So, okay, fine, fine. If if (laughs) Tatis is what we got, I would have been okay with that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured you'd be fine after we reasoned it a little bit. <laughs> but back to Orlando Garcia, he is he's here to stay. And I think for me, the biggest thing is I think we're finally just using him in a role that best suits him. Like he's essentially a utility infielder, right, for how much he shifts around and plays out of position. And with the addition of DH this year, especially if it's here to stay, for years to come, I think that really kind of helps them, especially if Keston Hero's in your lineup. So for a guy who has two more years of club control, I'm sure the Brewers' asking price, if anyone did even call but Arcia, was still pretty steep. So I'm assuming once you get down to a year of club control left, um, that might go a little bit lower. So that might be more of a better potential trade scenario for Arcia. But at, back to a trade that actually happened. <laughs> the Brewers' one deal this year was David Phelps being dealt for three prospects. So get, getting prospects from the Phillies. And they were initially announced as players to be named later, but it has been leaked according to sources whom I don't know who their names are, but I see it all over the place. It's Juan Geraldo, Israel Pulo, and then Brandon Ramey. So Geraldo and Pulo were international signees in 2017. Both pitchers, Geraldo, had a 3.96 ERA in 25 innings during the Gulf Coast League in 2019. And then Pualo in the Dominican Summer League pitched 65 innings, had a 1.92 ERA, held batters to a 190 batting average. And then Brandon Ramey in the Gulf Coast League in 2019 had a 278 ERA in 22 innings pitched. And all three of these guys have pretty similar K per nine ratios in the low to high nines there, anywhere in that range. So what were your thoughts on this deal? Phelps had been pitching well early in the year. I think he, the past couple outings, he'd been struggling a little bit. And he kind of he kind of was in that high leverage relief role for the Brewers, um, which this is that's kind of an important piece to get rid of. But again, he was struggling a little bit. I would have imagined he would have came out of that um, and gotten back closer to what he was to start the year. Uh, maybe not quite that good, but I imagine he would have got somewhere closer to that than what he had been the last couple outings. Um, but overall, you get some prospects. You get some guys that do have a pretty high K per nine ratio, you know, and have had some good outings there uh, in limited opportunities, except uh, Pollo there. He did have 65 innings, um, nice 1.92 ERA and a very good batting average against that 190. That's that's awesome, um, but we, we have to see him do it at a, high, a little bit higher level than that, than Dominican Summer League. So it's all about, you know, what these guys are going to be able to do. But in terms of the deal itself, I, I think I like it. But in this situation, do you take the three prospects and hope to get something out of them or, you know, keep Phelps for another year? I don't know. Would, would have they had made the or did the club option for 2021 i i'm not really sure it, it kind of depends how the rest of the season went and everything so i i am i guess i'm kind of indifferent i don't love it i don't hate it kind of in the middle here with this deal because we're we're just not going to see these guys for a long time anyways <laughs> yeah you're absolutely 
Yeah, right. You're absolutely right. I mean, if I had to grade it, I'm giving it probably a C plus. I mean, like you said, David Phelps is pitching great. StatCast really loved him this year. He was ranked in the 95th percentile in strikeout rates, exit velocity allowed, and then limiting hard hits. So he had a 20 to 2 K per 9 ratio. But was I really confident that David Phelps was going to keep and sustain this level of success? No, like you mentioned, he'd been struggling his last couple outings. And really, the last couple years when he was at the end of his tenure with the Cubs, he just wasn't pitching all that great. So I think they got as much as they could have wanted out of David Phelps, given, you know, kind of a little mini resurgent run that he's had here in 2020. And you have to think, like, the goal with these three guys is, okay, can one of them develop into you know, like a, a Freddie Peralta type player with, in terms of potential. I mean, that's kind of what you have to hope for. Then, of course, that would bring your trade grade up a little bit, probably into that B B plus range. But we just don't know right now, and only time's going to tell with that. Yeah, I think you get you get one of these guys to make an impact at the major league level. I think this trade's a win. Yep, that would be the magic that Stearns likes to work. So hopefully that comes true. With the departure of Phelps and Brandon Woodruff leaving uh, for the birth of his child, the Brewers brought up Trey Supak and Justin Topa. So both of these guys were very slow risers up the minor league ranks. Supak Supak, was added to the 40-man, I believe, at the start of the 2019 season. He's currently the 16th-ranked prospect in the system was a stud in double-A and had very mixed results in triple-A. He's a four-pitch pitcher, more of a starter. He's six foot five, has a low 90s fastball that looks a lot faster than what it is, and then a low 70s curveball, so very wide range there in terms of velocity. And then Justin Topa is a 29-year-old right-handed pitcher, a former 17th-round pick, really a journeyman. He's never pitched over double-A ball in his entire career. In 2019, he threw 40 innings pitched, and that was between double-A and high-A ball. Compiled 41 strikeouts, Um, but I think the reason Craig Council added him is he's got a little bit of velocity to his fastball, some high heat. So with the departure of Ray Black, who's still on the injured list, um, that he sustained that injury there in in summer camp, uh, Justin Topa kind of fills that void for you know, maybe the week or however long Brandon Woodruff is gone. But do you have any expectations for these two guys getting called up? Topa, no. I think what you said there is just he's kind of just another arm to have, right? He's he's not going to be a guy that stays probably longer than a week. Like you said, basically however long uh, Brandon Woodruff's going to be gone, he's, he's not going to be gone that or in the major league level that much. I don't know how many opportunities he's actually going to get, but you know, you get a guy up there with some velocity, fill a hole for a little bit and see what you got there. Uh, but I don't have a lot of expectation for him. You mentioned he hasn't pitched above double a ball. I can't imagine going from double a ball or high a ball for last year to the major league level against major league hitters that he's going to, impress enough to stay longer than that week or so so yeah not a lot of expectations for him supak on the other hand i do have a little bit of expectation i i can't remember what guest we had it, it was david gasper jack stern i can't i can't really remember who we were talking to um 
But I mentioned Supak as an option. Do you think that he might make his major league debut for 2020? Is he is he going to come up? Are we going to see him? Um, and they kind of thought, you know, not really, probably not yet. He didn't pitch very well in AAA, um, so probably not. But now we're going to see him. You know, they ship out David Phelps, and now we have a chance to see him. I'm excited to watch and see what he's able to do. And at this point, I don't have much in terms of expectations. I'm just kind of excited to see the pitcher and watch him myself for the first time. I've heard a lot. I've heard his name a lot, um, especially last year, maybe two years ago, his name was brought up. Um, but I'm just excited to see him pitch with my own eyes. Yeah, and as a as a starter, he's obviously not going to get you know probably more than three innings at a time, but he could fill kind of with that role Drew Rasmussen is in right now, where he goes two innings at a time, depending on game scenarios. So I think that'd be your best case scenario for Supak right now is to carve out some innings that way and to show us what he's got. Because to be honest, I've never seen him pitch live either, so I'm excited about that as well. Let's move over. We got the Tigers coming up next. Heading into the year, we were like, Tigers, we we have to dominate these games. We have to win them. The Tigers are coming in on a hot streak. They've won five games in a row. They just swept the Twins and then took the last two against the Cubs. So that's how they got up to five. Before the Cubs series, they won two out of three versus the Cleveland Indians. So the Tigers are sitting at... 500 ball which is better than the brewers right now on a hot streak and now we have to face them so game one is going to be fulmer versus Lindblom. game two is going to be turnbull versus hauser what are you looking for in this brief two game stint okay you said turnbull and i immediately thought of Derek turnbow <laughs> <laughs> that was a throwback <laughs> um I think for this one, you know, like you said, it it really is a team that we should beat. Granted, we should have we talked about it the last time I was on the podcast um, that we should have taken five of seven from the Pirates, and that didn't happen. So now, just like that, Pirates, we were we needed to take advantage of that, and we didn't. So now, if we want to kind of make our name for ourselves and get into the postseason. It's going to be very, very important to beat this Tigers team and win, you know, the four games we're going to play with them because this is just a two-game series. I imagine shortly we're going to have another short two-game series with them as well. So definitely need to take advantage of that. We need to get um, the offense really for the most part in this Pirates series was – there and on fire um so we need to continue that uh continue getting those contributions from the likes of you know jed jerko and ben gamble and and guys like that and then hopefully that will help and just get christian yelich and keston hira and justin smoke and avi garcia and get all those guys omar nervias get all those guys kind of going and get back up to where we expected them to be at this point in the season and Let's take two from the Tigers and and start a win streak. Let's let's go. I mean, the calendar does flip to September now, so if yeah, and that's, I did want to mention that that this is this is the time. This is when the Brewers make their run. So let's let's go. It's a little bit different situation, but I think it's just as important this September for the Brewers 
they got to make hay in September because they did not do it in August at all. Yep, you are absolutely right. And for this series, Lindblom, he's going to have his handful. Hasn't been pitching the greatest lately, and this Tigers offense is actually pretty decent. Former Brewer Jonathan Scope is leading the Tigers with eight home runs and hitting just a hair over 300. Miguel Cabrera is somehow still playing, probably with like two bionic knees and two bionic hips. <laughs> but he's got five homers, 20 RBIs this season. Uh, they, they just got some guys with some relatively high OPSs, like that 7-800 range. Nobody's really like outstanding, like over 1,000. But when you're getting contributions throughout your lineup and showing some depth, uh, you're you're going to win some ball games. So can't take a batter off this series. I, I'm kind of hoping Hauser rebounds a little bit. He hasn't been pitching terrible as of late, but he just hasn't been quite getting quite the results he did to start the year. So I'm looking for a bounce back performance here for him. But before we get out of here, do you got anything else at all, Trevor? Um, why couldn't we get that Jonathan Scope when we traded for him? Yeah, I know, right? Like he was just disappointment in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, he played over 30 games because we got him right near the trade deadline, and then so he played. Well, I guess maybe he played about 30 games because he was not out there all the time. Um, that would have been some nice production from him, and would have been very helpful that year. Um, but other than that, you know. I feel like that's what the Brewers needed this year. You figured Yelich and Hira would be those guys that would kind of stand out. Um, basically what you said the Tigers are missing, but you thought those guys would be there and they're not. So then you were hoping that the rest of the lineup could pick up their slack and they didn't. And that, I mean, that's kind of the difference, right? Between these two teams is the Tigers offense is consistent up and down and the Brewers are just, you know, occasionally getting production from one of their players here and then another player there, but it's never, you know, three, four guys getting hot at the same time, which is hopefully something that'll change in September because Brewers in September, they're, they're good. So let's get back to that, those winning ways in September. Hell yeah, this is when Council and everybody thrives, even if there's going to be no roster changes. It's going to be the same this year. Just have to have faith and believe in that. So now that I actually know it's a, only a two-game series, we the Brewers will have an off date on Thursday. So that's when our recap podcast will be coming out versus the Tigers. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're checking out our other podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, the Packers Trilogy podcast and the Bucks Trilogy podcast got a series against the Heat here coming up as they lost tonight down 0-1. So they've got their hands full. So check all those out, and we will uh, talk to you later, Brewer fans. Justin Burns. <laughs>